Oh, don't you love that? I just, I love, I love baptism. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it was, you know, it was 60 degrees, rainy, windy, and just plain cold. I think I shivered for like two hours straight that night. But it was, it was awesome. This, this tangible picture of new life, of what Christ continu- continues to do in us, individually and collectively as a church. I love baptism. I mean, this is, this is why we exist this is what the church is for. Do you ever forget that, though? And church sort of like, you know, it becomes uh, something you do for 75 minutes on Sunday. I mean, I, I forget sometimes, and I work here, right? In fact, even just, just a few months ago, I can remember battling over and over in my mind, you know, what, what, what is it all for? What are we, what are we really doing? What, what difference are we making? Why church? I mean, we're, we're following Jesus, right? But where has he taken us? What's the point of it all? Well, last week, we, we began our time together by looking at Matthew chapter 16. It's where, where Jesus says, I will build my church, but, but build it into what? Why, Jesus? Jesus, what, what do you have in mind? Well, prior to the baptism video, We heard what is often referred to as the Great Commission, also in Scripture, also in the book of Matthew, where Jesus says, go and make disciples, right? Baptize them. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded them, Jesus says. Jesus sends his followers out. So why does does the church exist? I mean, why do, why do followers of Christ remain on this earth? What's the point of it all? Well, to put it simply, just as the Father sends Jesus, Jesus sends us. We are sent. In every aspect, the Father sends Jesus, right? Sent Jesus to live and love and teach and die, right, eventually, and to be raised again. And Jesus now sends us. Now, I don't, I don't mean necessarily that he, that he sends us to Africa, though that might be the case. But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you're sent. Most of us are sent probably a little bit closer to home, right? Doesn't mean we have to necessarily go across, across the world. We're sent into our homes, into our workplaces. If you're younger or in school, we're sent to our schools. We're sent to, to in, in our hobbies, in our neighborhoods, everything. But we together are sent. It's, it's, it's what we're for. Which in many ways, I mean, I think deep down, we long for that as humans. As in, no matter what you believe, we, we long to know that our lives matter. We long to believe that we can make a difference in the brokenness that surrounds us because we all know that this world is just not quite right. Well, last, last week we began uh, together on behalf of our elder leadership team really sort of stepping out of kind of our normal rhythm on Sundays to talk about who we are as a church and what are the things that we, we value the most and where are those values taking us? Or really where we believe God is sending us, if we're going to use that metaphor. Now, if you're, if you're a guest with us, I said this last week as well, or, or maybe you're, you're not a follower of Christ, you're just sort of checking, checking him out, we're glad that you're here. 
Um, but let me just say, this is a little bit of a different Sunday for us. This isn't how we, we necessarily normally do things, but I think you'll be encouraged. I mean, I think it's honestly, it's a perfect time to, to visit here as we sort of look into this, this window of what we are passionate about and what we believe the purpose of the church is anyway. So I hope you'll be encouraged. Well, last, last week, if, if you missed it, we talked about our values as a church. And if, if you weren't here, you can listen to the podcast. You can read about it on our new website. Uh, there's a video you can watch there as well. Um, but can, inform yourself with these, with these things, okay? We, we said five, right? Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. These are our five values, our passions, the things that we love together as a church. But as, as important as it is for us as a church to value some really important things, it still begs a really important question, doesn't it? What do those values push us toward? What do they cause us to do as a result? We can't just sit back and say, hey, we've got some great things that we're passionate about as a church and, and really end up just becoming a, a social club, right, where we can just hang out on Sunday mornings to feel good about ourselves. That's, that's not why we exist. If we truly value those things, they will push us to action. And this morning, we want to, to do our best to try to answer that question of what is it all for? And again, as, as we said last week, if this is your church home, don't think of it as, this is where the church I go to is heading. That, that's, that's, if, this is, if this is your home, you, you are this church. This is where we are heading together. This is what we believe, where, where God is continuing to, to send us so that we can make an impact in our world, so we don't just sit on our hands but this is for all of us, individually and collectively. Well, just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. And to provide a, a sort of a backdrop for this conversation, uh, let's turn to John 17. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, if you didn't, we have the, the, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Uh, but we're going to look a little bit at John 17. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 17. And we're going to try to answer three basic questions. First, what does Jesus want for his church? Right? That's probably a good place to start, isn't it? Second, where are we heading? And third, what will it take? So first, what does Jesus want for his church? If he started this whole thing 2,000 years ago, why did he do it? And to what end? Well, in John 17, Jesus tells us in a prayer and this, this is a prayer uh, that Jesus prays to, to God, his Father, just hours before his death. And you can picture the disciples, you know, there eavesdropping on this prayer, jotting down the things that Jesus is saying to his dad, his Father. He prays for us, he prays that we might flourish, and he prays that we would multiply. So Jesus, he, he, he prays for us there in John 17. He's not just praying for those early disciples back then. He, oftentimes, that's how we think of, of Scripture, that it's, it's about them first. But here, he clearly pray, prays for you and me. It's an amazing thing. Verse 20, let's start there in this prayer. Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. 
We're the ones who believe in Jesus based on their testimony, right? That is, that is written down in Scripture for us. In my, one of my old sort of falling apart Bibles several years ago, I wrote very simply in the, in the margin. I think we've got a, yeah, just me. I mean, it, it, it blows me away, right? That Jesus here, he prays for us. I almost, I almost picture somehow in that, in that moment, that instant, in the mind of, of God, right? Jesus, who is fully God, this sort of quick slideshow going off in his brain. Snapshots of every single person who would ever believe. You and me. And really, I think more importantly, for us. Because even, even though I wrote me and my Bible so many years ago, the context here is, is Jesus is praying for the collective believers, for the whole church, for, for all of his disciples in partnership together, doing these things as sent out individuals and, and as a corporate. And so I almost wonder if, if the picture in, in Jesus' mind would be more like a collage, right? Of, of communities of believers living as sent, living as one. Because his prayer here is for the church. And Jesus, he prays for our flourishing, which is kind of a, a unique word. Um, he doesn't pray for our prosperity. He doesn't pray that we would have an easy life. I mean, nowhere is that promised in Scripture. Just, it's not the expectation. But to flourish, we, we mean health. We mean the good life as God designed defines it, not as our world defines it. That we would flourish. Well, what, is, what does that look like? It looks like relying on, on Christ. Starting in, in verse 11, here's what Jesus prays. So go back a little bit in your Bibles. Verse 11, he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as, as we are one. And let's skip to verse 13. These things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And then verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There's a ton, right, in those few verses. And we're just looking at a small portion of this prayer. But Jesus, he prays for our flourishing as individuals, but more as a, as a corporate body, as his followers together. He, he prays right, right away in verse 11 that we'd be kept in relationship with him, right, in his name. He prays that we would be one, just like Jesus and his Father are one, he says. I mean, that, that implies relational connection, uh, unity within diversity. It's about community. In, in 13, Jesus prays that his joy would be fulfilled in us. He prays that even though the world hates us, that God would keep us in the world. That God wouldn't take us out, but instead that God would protect us in the world. And the world... The world hates us. I mean, because of the gospel, it shouldn't because, be because we're jerks, okay? I think some Christians kind of confuse that, right? Um, right? Right? We do sometimes. Sometimes people hate us just because we're jerks. We're mean. That's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about people who hate them because of who Christ is. 
and because of who Christ calls us to be. But that's a normal part of following Jesus. And yet, even though he says the world hates us, we continue in the world, loving the world, because that's, that's what Jesus loves. He loves the world. But as it goes on, he makes it clear that he doesn't want us to be of the world, okay? Instead, in verse 17, that we'd be sanctified in truth. Sanctify is just a really fancy word that means set apart or different. That we would be holy, that, we, that the, the, the church would be different. I mean, that, that there would be nothing in the world quite like this institution, this gathering of people that he creates through his name. And Jesus' hope for his church can only be accomplished when we begin to flourish. Only, only when Christians actually start living this kind of life, right, that, that Jesus talks about here in this prayer, that he prays for us, only then will the world around us begin to hear the story we long to tell. I love how, how Leslie Newbegin summarizes this. He says, the gospel does not become public truth for a society by being propagated as a theory or as a worldview and certainly not as a religion, It can become public truth insofar it is embodied in a society, the church, which is both abiding in Christ and engaged in the life of the world. Now, I know it's complicated, but let me just sort of say, essentially what what Newbegin is saying is that the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The gospel only makes sense when it is lived out in community. Period. It it cannot be propagated, he says. It cannot be taught as merely a theory, as a worldview, as as a religion. It is a way of life. It is an entire sense of being, and it creates a new community. And when it is lived out in community, flourishing, I mean, if that that is who we are, growing in our faith in Jesus and obedience to him, overflowing with, with love and joy... Only if we flourish together will we make any difference in the world around us. This is what Jesus is calling us to. And without this, without this kind of flourishing, we will not multiply like he longs for us to multiply, which is really the next part of his prayer. Jesus prays for our multiplication. That's kind of a odd word here, but let's kind of unpack it a little bit here. Because just as as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. I mean, think about this for a moment. What is probably the most well-known or common Bible verse in Scripture? John 3.16, right? Yep. I mean, even if you don't know the words of John 3.16, you've seen it at a million sporting events, at least the reference, right? We, we know that. It's, it's a common one. It's where God says, or Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave or sent, right, his only son, Jesus. It's a beautiful verse. And then a few chapters later in John 17, essentially what Jesus is saying in his prayer is for Jesus so loved the world that he sent his only church, his followers, into the world. The Father sent Jesus, and Jesus sends us. Verse 18. 
As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Why do we exist? We exist to be sent out, like Jesus, into his world as little redeemers, his representation on planet earth. Jesus sends us into the world. We get a little more clarity there in verse 21 if you skip down a little bit. Jesus, as he continues to pray, he says again that they may all be one. I mean, that's so important to Jesus, this idea of unity, even in the midst of diversity. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And here's the goal, right? Here's the big so that. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Multiplication. God sends Jesus because God is an outpourer, right? He gives his only son. And Jesus, right, he is also an outpourer, generous. He he gives his bride, the church, And that means we also, we are called, we are designed, we are created to be outpours, just like our God. To give ourselves away as sent into our neighborhood, our city, our world, and our classrooms, our workplace, our home, our hobbies, everything. That's why we exist. So that the world may believe. Jesus sends us out to make disciples, to multiply. And really, in many ways, to build churches. Now, many of you are probably right with me up to, up to this point, right? This idea of making disciples and, and now this idea of, of building churches. I mean, where do, we, where do we get that? It kind of sounds egotistical, especially as a pastor, right? To, to say that that's what Jesus calls us to do. I don't mean it that way. I hope you don't hear it that way. Uh, but let me, let me explain a little bit because, first of all, I don't mean by saying build churches. I don't mean buildings. Well, buildings are helpful, right? We built a new building over here, and I mean, that's helped us to, to fulfill what God has called. It's helped us make disciples, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about building a community of people who love Jesus and love others. That, that's, that's what I mean by building the church. It's kind of like a, a beachhead for the gospel, Here's what, here's what Tim Keller writes. He's a pastor in New York City. He says, Virtually all the, of the great evangelistic challenges of the New Testament are basically calls to plant churches, not simply to share the faith. The Great Commission, again, which we just read from Matthew 28, is not a call just to make disciples, but to baptize. In Acts and elsewhere, it's clear that baptism means incorporation into a worshiping community with accountability and boundaries. And then he says, this is a big statement. He says, the only way to be truly sure you are increasing the number of Christians in a town is to increase the number of churches. Churches who proclaim the gospel and love the world while being different from the world. And that can't happen in 75 minutes on Sundays. We don't go to church. We, we are the church, and through Christ and for his name, we together, we build his church so that we and others might believe and grow and love and serve our needy world. 
If all this is true, I mean, if, if Jesus sends us into the world to flourish and to multiply, what does that look like at Christ's community? Where are we heading? Well, we have five key areas of focus. And some of this will be very familiar to, to many of you if you've been around for any length of time. But this is sort of our attempt to say, okay, if that's what Jesus longs for his church, what does that look like for us? How are we attempting to live this out? What are we committed to? And they all flow out of that idea that just as the Father sends Jesus, Jesus sends us. Now, now the broadest of these five commitments— is this idea of multiplying flourishing congregations. You've heard us talk about that, even use that exact language before. Uh, we, we talked about that in 2008, right? When we began our third decade as a church, we set aside you know, five core commitments of what we want to be. The last couple of months, we've been looking at those five commitments, wanting to tweak it, make sure it still fits who we are. And honestly, there's been very few changes, just greater clarity, uh, focus, and passion. But if you start there of of multiplying flourishing congregations, um, these other four commitments, we believe, flow right out of that. They're deeply embedded. They're not separate from. Almost think of multiplying flourishing as as a heading of this is how we do these other four things. And so let me let me read the other four, and then we'll talk for a minute about each one of them. So multiplying flourishing congregations, proclaiming the gospel. Uh, connecting faith and work, seeking the welfare of the city, and developing next generational leaders. And so in John 17, Jesus prays for us. And we believe that he will continue to intercede on our behalf as we live out, as we pursue these five commitments. By God's grace, we've, we've seen him faithful to us in the past. And we believe, we pray that we will see it in the future. And even as I, as I think about our past together, Christ's community began 23 years ago. I talked a little bit about last week uh, with Pastor Tom. I love this, this picture here. Yeah. For those of you who know him, I mean, what a dork, right? Yeah, you can tell him I said so. Um, but, but Tom and a small group, as you can see, just a small group of people uh, eager to, to flourish as followers of Christ and to see the name of Christ multiplied in this part of Kansas City. And that, that's, that's how we began. Here's, here's where I started attending Christ Community. Up at the top there, well, it's the same, the outside. It's Overland Trail Middle School uh, in Overland Park. Uh, it was 1997. I was a senior in high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty hot, I know. Um, <laughs> I don't like to brag, but I was pretty popular in high school. So, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, but as a senior, okay, so that 17-year-old kid walked through those doors, and I'm not exaggerating, that changed my life. Because for the very first time in my life, I began to flourish as a follower of Christ. Even though I'd I'd grown up in church and experienced that, my my parents are a great Christian individual, it was there in that moment that I was gripped with love for Jesus and love for his bride, the church. It changed me forever. I'm so thankful for that middle school. You know, often I, I drive by it over on Metcalf and 135th and think, man, it's right there for me. So much happened in my life. 
Well, after I graduated from, from high school, I went off to, to seminary and college, college and then seminary uh, in Chicago, but, but Christ community continued to, to flourish and multiply. Uh, in 2000, we opened our first permanent facility. That's our, our Leewood campus, right? Um, you know, continuing to, to fulfill what, what we believe God has called us to. I, I joined the staff then in 2005. Uh, in 2006, some of you remember this. Uh, a few of you were here even before we got here. Um, that this, this church building was, I mean, it just was sort of given to us almost, almost instantly in ways that we hadn't even anticipated. And overnight, it seemed, we became one church meeting in two locations. Um, one of the great privileges of my life to this point was being there at the very beginning uh, with, with a couple dozen families who came from our Leewood campus. I mean, some of you, like, if you were there, right, those first, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, a handful of, yeah. Um, we, we set out because we, we longed to see the gospel flourish, right, in this community and multiply in people's hearts and lives, and we, we've seen it do that by God's grace, and then last year, as, as a result of, of your generosity and the generosity of our Leewood campus, we were able to, to open our, our new facility over here, doubling our capacity to serve our community. And what a blessing that has been as we continue to seek to flourish and multiply. Also, last year we began um, our, our downtown campus. I think that's the, the next one here. Um, meeting currently at the Screenland Movie Theater. Um, continuing to grow and, and seek um, God's favor in that place. Um, in just a couple weeks then as well, so exciting through the, through the generosity of an anonymous donor who's purchased and is, is funding us as we move to our Brookside campus. Um, such an incredible facility, right? So ex- just a couple of weeks and we begin to see how God continues to send us forward individually and collectively as a church. I mean, as I look at this last, this last slide, I just, I love this one, it's my favorite I think about four communities together being touched by the gospel, by the good news of what Jesus has done, giving us a place, again, sort of a beachhead where the gospel is proclaimed and then can be sent out into those various communities. It's just so exciting to see how God continues humbling us, using us to multiply, to flourish for the sake of Christ. And as I said, if we continue to flourish and multiply, these other four commitments will flow right out of that. Let me just briefly uh, mention each of them, just so we're all on the same page of what we mean by these four things. So healthy churches, right? That's, that's the idea of flourishing. Proclaim the gospel. I mean, we've been talking about that all along here, but we want that clearly you know, stated as something that we, we are passionate about together. I mean, it ought to be what we do, what we love, what we continually pursue Here's what we have on our website. Let me just read it. It says, According to God's design, we will seek to proclaim and live out the gospel as salt and light wherever we are. We believe it is important for us to grow in our readiness and action of giving it a defense for the hope that is within us. Specifically, we desire to grow in our understanding of and obedience to God's word, in our conversations of faith with neighbors, friends, and coworkers, and our understanding of and participation in God's work outside the United States. And that, that's huge for us, that we, we long every Sunday, soon in, in four different places across our city, to proclaim the gospel. But it can't end there, right? It can't end with Sunday mornings. Our hope, our prayer, 
I hope you share this with us, is that then you would continue in your sphere of influence to continue to proclaim the gospel, to live it out in home and work and school and every situation in which you find yourself, that we together, and then we gather back, right, together as a group to proclaim the gospel again, to be reminded of it, to be refreshed by it, and then sent out to do it again over and over and over again. And even as we think about what what we're doing in, in Brookside, for example, that together there we are creating a new community in which that's going to happen within our city. As a hundred people from our Leewood campus are sent out to start that new church, that new community, that new campus. A new center for gospel proclamation. Last week also I mentioned that in 2013 we're going we're gonna to take the whole year to go through the whole Bible, right? Cover to cover, uh, try to, to tell the entire story of Scripture. Um, part of the, our motivation for doing that is to help further equip us that we together can know the story better and so that we can, we can live it out and we can talk about it more effectively with those around us. And of course, too, we're constantly looking, looking for ways to do this, not just here in our city, um, but across the globe. Um, we've got a couple of opportunities even this fall coming up when some of our partners from Africa and Iran are going to be with us talking about the work of gospel proclamation uh, they do there in those difficult places. Together, we proclaim the gospel. Also, okay, keep moving on that list. We seek to to flourish and grow as we connect faith and work. One of the primary works of the church is the church at work. I mean, just just let that sort of sink in for a minute. Because that's where all of us spend the majority of our time, whether you get paid for it or not, whether you're retired or a student, a stay-at-home mom or working in an office, that's, that's what we spend a huge portion of our lives. That even that, okay, absolutely that is a crucial part of what it means to be the church in our workplace. I'd say more about that, but we're going to take all next week to, to really unpack what that means for us individually and collectively. So moving on, we also seek the welfare of the city. Again, reading from our website, it says, according to God's design, We will seek to work for justice throughout the Kansas City metro area. We believe it is important for us to grow in our capacity to love our city and to expend significant human, financial, and capital resources as we seek the common good. Specifically, we desire to grow in our individual and collective work for the common good of the city in serving the poor and marginalized of our city, but also in our engagement with city leaders and cultural influencers. From the very beginning, Christ community, we, we love our city. We believe that this is where God has put us. And we don't just mean Kansas City proper, right? Um, even though, I mean, we in the suburbs are greatly affected, right, by the things that happen downtown. Certainly, we mean that's part of it, but it, it's, think of it more of in the kind of the old word of parish, right? We love our parish. We love the, the community that surrounds our little community here. And so that means Leewood and Overland Park and Olathe. And some of you are from Gardner or Lenexa. That we, we love our cities together. We want to seek the common good of the people in which we live around. We talked a little bit last week about our initiative with Woodland Elementary just down the road. How we, we want to care for those there who are hurting, who are in need. That's, that's part of, of being the church. You find a lot of information on our website about how we do this. One other thing I'll mention here, uh, we've got a conference coming up next year, uh, April 5th and 6th. Um, we're calling it Common Good 2013 or CG 2013. It's going to be hosted at our Brookside campus. It's really going to be designed to help all of us individually, collectively, no matter where we are, to seek the common good of our city. Um, so I hope you'll put that on your calendar. We'd love to, to make that available. Okay, and then also here, 
uh, we're continuing. This is, this is very similar to what you've seen in the past if you've been here. Uh, the development of next generational leaders. According to God's design, we will seek to develop and multiply leaders for the home, church, and society at large. We believe it's important for us to grow in our capacity to prepare men and women to be integral and influential leaders. Specifically, we desire to grow in our development and multiplication of healthy families and building a web of relationships with children, students, and adults. Actually, let me just even stop there. Because I mean, that's, that's a huge part of some of the things that we are passionate about right now. Developing leaders means developing healthy families. Uh, we've talked a lot about what it means to be an intergenerational church, right? That, that we long to see people of all ages worshiping together, serving together, loving one another, connected in this, this web of relationships that we need one another regardless of our age or situation. Um, so we've, we've encouraged that. We, we long to see that all the more for us. We think it's the healthiest thing for your family, the healthiest thing for our church. Um, to be able to do that. And two, let me mention, I mean, that's, that's been a real challenge at our Leewood campus, um, particularly because uh, we have a facility two miles away from our Leewood campus where all the middle school and high schoolers meet. Um, and what that has unintentionally done to those 200 or so individuals is sort of segmented the church into two populations, these middle school and high schoolers and then everybody else. And rarely is there crossover um, and we, we know that's got to change. Um, we're, we're trying to make steps to make that happen. We've had to push pause on our, uh, uh, the start of our, our building over there to expand and make that possible. Um, but that's one of the next things that we're going to do together as a church. Okay, and then with this also here, uh, inner development and multiplication of church leaders. Um, that's really continuing our, our fellows program, to continue to invest in young leaders um, seminary grads who come here, they serve two years, and then we send them out as a church uh, to build God's church across our country and world. So where are we heading? There they all are, right? I'm sure you've got them all memorized. Um, so this is a work in progress, to say the least. But I hope you're excited. Um, we believe that Jesus wants for his church our flourishing and our multiplication for the sake of his name, for the sake of his kingdom. This, this is why we exist. This is why we do what we do. And this is where we believe God is sending us, where we're heading. So what will it take? Well, what does it mean individually and collectively for us? Well, in many ways, it's as, it's as simple as going back right where we started. But just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. It's part of the definition of being a follower of Christ. At the very core of who we are individually, as families, and collectively as a congregation. And as we said, the Christ community, we believe in many ways, it goes back to multiplying, flourishing congregations. So let me read what we have there. It says, according to God's design, we will seek to flourish in all expressions of congregational life. I believe it's important for us to multiply the breadth and depth of our life in the local church and to assist our global partners in this endeavor. And specifically, these three things. Let's keep these kind of as the application for this morning. And our relational connections with one another. This is just right out of the gate. I mean, are you growing in your relationships with one another here? Because these things, I mean, that we're talking about, as great as they are, as, as, as much as we may want to make a difference in our world, if we are not connected relationally together, doing these things together, then it's, it's just not going to happen. Try as hard as we might. We need to flourish as a community. So are you growing in your relationships with one another? It could be a small group, Bible study. It could be as easy as just inviting somebody 
out for lunch today, to begin building those relationships. These things only happen in community. Second there, in the generosity, not just financially, but time, talent, and treasure to the church. How are, how are you making Christ's community more effective in her mission and more beautiful in her expression? And what, what are the things that you together, that we are contributing to make this a reality? I know, I know many of you, I mean, man, we have a congregation of, of so many people who serve, who give generously, who, who devote so much to relationships here. It's, it, makes, it makes being a pastor a lot of fun. I mean, just to see that, to hear the stories of the way that's happening, I love it. Thanks for doing that. And others of you, I mean, you're just sort of hanging out on the sidelines. And we love you. I mean, we're glad that you're here. We hope that you're growing, but we hope that you're not content sitting on the sidelines. We believe that the local church, as God designed it, is the hope of the world. And we, if we're going to, we need to do these things together. How, how are you going to invest more? How are you going to get to a point where you are are not just attending church, but joining us in what God is doing. I mean, it's too exciting to be left out. Um, be a part of this with us. And then the last one there, the multiplication of growing apprentices and congregations. And essentially, the question, I mean, how are you growing and who are you influencing? To make sure that even together as individuals, that we are, we are growing more and more in love with Jesus and reaching out to those within a, with, around us to influence well, friends, these are, these are exciting times, I think. God is, God is at work. Um, I hope that you're with us. I hope that you're excited. I want to end by, by sharing an email that I got last night uh, from a fairly new family here. Um, Ryan and, and Courtney and their kids, Dominic and Sydney. I think we got a picture here, at least of, of three out of the four. That's not too bad. Um, they've been attending since it's February. I love their story, so I asked Ryan this week if he wouldn't mind just jotting out a little bit of his journey uh, for us, um, because he's been so willing to, to talk so openly about it, and I, I, I want to share it. Um, church, this, this, is, this is why we're here, okay? So listen, listen to what he says. He says, Courtney and I have been together for 17 of my 34 years. High school sweethearts, I've always been aware of my wife's unbelievably devout Christian faith. For the last 12 years, I've attended church with her. The problem has been my faith. I don't consider myself a Christian. I've always attended church with her, especially once we had kids to support her. I always figured, I love this, this is great, that she was raised to be the person that I love through her faith, so it makes sense to raise our kids this way, since I was the messed up one, he says. After the past several years at a church located all the way in Casey Moe, we both realized we were all just going through the motions. To me, it felt like I was in the biblical version of Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. So we decided to try something else. Through a high school friend, Courtney was referred to Christ Community. They lived just a mile away from here. We came on a random February this past winter. Not wanting to settle, we discussed going somewhere else to try out, but I brought up the fact that this church has done everything we were looking for, especially motivating our children. That's the best part for both of us. The bonus came with my journey, he says. After our third week, I told Courtney that I realized I hadn't looked at a clock at any service. 
meaning I wasn't counting down when I was going to be out of there. You're welcome, Nathan, he writes. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Yes. We attended the Connections group following the first service and met great people, people we call friends today. Been attending a community group in our neighborhood where I openly talk about my own struggles with the Christian faith and the stuff that just doesn't make sense to me. Seriously, who did Cain and Abel marry? It's a good question. He concludes, I can't say that I'm there yet. There are many times I feel strange talking about Christ knowing I'm in such a distant place than the people I'm surrounded by. However, the people at Christ Community have always welcomed me with conversations, prayers, and even golf. Thanks, Patrick. The constant encouragement keeps me coming back. It keeps me wanting to learn more from my children, from my wife, and maybe, just maybe, even from me. Who knows? The decision to start attending Christ Community might just be God at work after all. Signed, your resident heathen, (laughs) Ryan Hall. And let me just say, this part just cracks me up. Ryan has invited just about every friend and neighbor he knows to come check out Jesus in the church in this place. I mean, he's an evangelist and he's not even there yet. Oh, right, only God could do that, I think, honestly. But church, this, this is why we're here. To love and welcome, to proclaim the good news, to, to grow in our faith and to care for our world, to love those around us, to flourish and multiply. And to love those who come here exploring matters of faith, because Ryan feels like he might be the only one, but he's certainly not. We're so glad, if that describes you, we're so glad that you're here. Well, church, these are exciting times. God is at work. So will you serve? Will you give? Will you invest? Will you build relationships? Will you tell others? Will you invite others to come and see? Will you explain a little bit of who Jesus is in your life? Will you be the church and love the church? Not for the sake of the church, but for the sake of the one who sends us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, may these things be true of us. Not just goals or dreams on a page, but things that we actually, through your spirit, not for our own glory or our namesake, not for Christ's community, but for you, Lord Jesus, may these things be true of us. God, I pray that you would unite us together. God, thank you so much for the many people who are so eager to serve and be a part and to invest here. God, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them. Give them the stamina they need, the the perseverance to keep doing what you have called us to do together. God, for those who are sort of, you know, sitting on on the edges or perhaps our, our guests this morning, God, I pray that you would call them to your local church, whether it's here or someplace else, to be ministered to and to minister to others for the sake of your great son, Jesus, who has saved us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.